put the action mask on yourself before you put it on your kids. It's the fill your own cup first. We can't do anything for anyone else if our own cup isn't full. Welcome to the Juggling the Chaos of Recovery podcast, where we focus on health and wellness and overcoming all types of addictions. You're in the right place if you're a mom, dad, sibling, or caregiver who has a loved one who is or was struggling with an eating disorder or any other kind of addiction. In a time where everything seems heavy, I'm here to bring you a very real yet lighthearted take on what the heck we're all supposed to do with our lives while we care for our loved ones who are struggling. One thing holds true throughout it all. You can't juggle the chaos without smiling, at least a little bit. Well, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski. So glad you are back here today. As you know, this the name of this podcast is Juggling the Chaos of Recovery. And my um, guest today, I was attracted to, I wanted to get to know because of uh, the word chaos in a book that she has written. So, but um, I met Dr. Uh, Christy Matusiak, who's uh, joining me today during the pandemic. And when I was uh, when I was connected with somebody through LinkedIn, who we did a podcast swap and um, she's one of her friends and you know how that all goes, that roundabout way. But I'm so glad that Christy's here today because we're just going to talk about a little bit about that chaos thing and um, how we coordinate that, how we juggle that. And I'm just so glad you uh, decided to join me today. Thanks for joining me, Christy. Well, thank you for having me, Maura. This is a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. And Christy is a holistic chiropractor. That's what she does. Um, most of the time um, in her life. And I love that because as most of you know, if you've listened to my podcast, I am in the, I'm a retired nurse. I've been in the wellness field, helping build, helping people build their health um, in natural ways for the last 23 years. So I love all that holistic things. Um, our son, well, all of us in our household have benefited from a holistic chiropractor such as yourself. So I really appreciate that and just love other people that are on that same you know, journey that we are on. And you've written a real cool book, but let's start with you. You know, how did you find yourself to chiropractic? How did you find yourself to just, again, looking at, at supporting people in this holistic way that you do? Great question and such a beautiful story I actually share on this. So I, I feel like I was always attracted to holistic natural methods of things. Even when I was, well, when I went to college, I majored in biology and psychology, which people looked at me at that time with three heads going, why on earth would you pick both of those things? They don't have anything to do with each other. And apparently I was then ahead of my time because to me it was common sense. Now the connection of mind-body medicine is a big thing. Back then when I was in college, it wasn't. And so people thought that I was a little weird. But apparently I was always attracted to this sort of thing. And when I was in college, if I would get sick, I would just take a bunch of vitamin C and I'd be over it in two days. And my roommates would look at me like, what's wrong with you? Like, why wouldn't you just go to the nurse and get whatever medicine they have? I was like, because I got a bottle of vitamin C here and that works for me. So I was always in that space, but didn't really know where I wanted to specify. I didn't even know chiropractic was a profession at that time. And so when I graduated from my undergraduate program, I started working at Abbott Laboratories. Are you familiar with Abbott Labs? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Very, uh, very much not what I do right now. So it's a big pharmaceutical company. <laughs> right. And I, I got a job there right out of school. And it was okay. I signed my name thousands of times a day, making sure bottles weren't leaking, labels were on straight, quality control area. A little while later, after about a year in that position, I was interviewing for different positions within the company. 
this was a position in the pharmaceutical part of the company and it was in the lab position or something. And they asked me in the interview, where do you see yourself in five years? And I said, well, honestly, in five years, I would love to see myself in a more clinical kind of setting where I'm helping prevent disease instead of treated with medications. So ultimately we wouldn't need medications at the end of the day. Hmm. And then I remembered <laughs> where I was interviewing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and it wasn't likely received so well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't get the job, which was fine because it wasn't where my true calling was. And then a series of events happened where I met a chiropractor who does all the work that I do, began working with him part-time, and then Abbott had a huge layoff. And I was one of them. And it was just this unfolding of fate, mm. so to speak, to guide me into the future that I was meant to be in. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's uh, it's funny, but it's also, I was talking with somebody this week. Sometimes that's just what happens. We and, and if we're open to the path that our life leads us down, then that's good because sometimes it, but it sometimes it doesn't look like what we're thinking that it's going to look like. And, and um, again, you said probably didn't even realize what you were saying when you talked to a pharmaceutical company to say, I don't really want to, I want to, I don't want to be doing what you're supporting. So, yeah, but you know, again, things happen and you follow that path. And I think that's great. And uh, so you went on to become a chiropractor. You've gone on to marry and have children. Again, you've written this, this book called Coordinating the Chaos. So tell me a little bit about how that came about or how, again, you came to the, because I know how, you know, I got to the point of feeling like I was juggling chaos in my life and thus the uh, name of this podcast and the mission that I'm on to share with others that there's hope within the chaos and we can get along in life with a little bit of juggling. So how did that come about for you? In the early part of the pandemic, or before I should say COVID hit, I wanted to create a bunch of speaking events, workshops for parents in similar situations to me early on. And then COVID hit and speaking events weren't a thing. And so that's where the book came from, because I was like, I wanted to get this content and information out there to people but couldn't speak it at the time. So that was fine. It really, so the book itself is really driven towards the earlier phase of motherhood, that postpartum kind of phase, first year or two or so of life, where the mom finds herself in this hormonal mess of place, not really sure this is what she signed up for, but also at the same time loving every second, but not knowing who she is anymore. It's, you remember the case of the early days. And mm -hmm. I remember going through it and not even recognizing that I had a level of postpartum depression until my oldest was two. I remember I remember exactly sitting where I was in our house and I just sat there and I looked at my husband and I go, I think I'm depressed. Like it just hit me all of a sudden. I was like, all right, he's like 22 or something months old. Could this still be postpartum depression from, you know, now having a two-year-old? And first of all, the answer is yes, it can be. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I'm grateful that I finally had the awareness to recognize what was happening within myself because unfortunately, I don't feel like I was fully 100% present for the first two years of his life. And that disappoints me. And if I wanted to, I could create some mom guilt around that. <laughs> but you know, we can only do what we can do when we have the knowledge that we can to move forward. Through those experiences and things that I've learned through my own journey in motherhood and then supporting the patients that I support, that's where the book was born from. It was really just and chaos is is the word because no matter how much at peace we are, I do all the things. I walk, I meditate daily, I take care of myself dietarily, I drink the water, I get good sleep, all the tangibles. And even when we do all those things, 
kids and raising families is chaos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, a, there's a quote that I say in the book, especially regarding motherhood in general and how we look at each other, is that in raising families, we used to have villages. We used to have this village of support. And now we have a village of judgment. Mm. Through social media, you know, we're constantly comparing ourselves. Oh, this woman breastfed and I couldn't, or this person co-sleeps and I don't agree with that. And we're in these constant mommy wars with each other where we're pinning each other against each other. And that's not a sustainable way to live or grow community. And so that's part of where I wrote the book from, from my own experiences, professional experiences, and really also coming at it from the standpoint, just support each other. Just, I have these experiences. I'm going to share them forward. These are my thoughts on how to live holistically, more grounded, healthier, you know, pre- prevent antibiotics in your children if you'd like to do that. And at the end of the day, it's your choice and I'm going to be here to support you, whatever that is. Yeah, it couldn't be more true that that we live in this village of of judgment. Um, I just think back on my years of, you know, raising my four children and the judgment that I felt, you know, in this neighborhood, in the school system and things like that. I found my friends and I found, you know, the moms and the kids found their friends and things like that. But, you know, where I live and I live in a very, I mean, we both live in a very beautiful, you know, upper middle class area and stuff like that. And along with that comes this, unfortunately, (laughs) this level of almost like elitistness or, you know, I've seen that in my own neighborhood that, you know, we're always doing that comparison of like, oh, what is she doing? Oh, what car is she driving? Oh, what sport is he playing? And things like that. And we get into this. I just thought you said it so well, this place of feeling so judged. And when we're new moms, like they never, you know, there's no manual that they send us home with, except for like here, you know, record how many times they pee and they poop and how many times you change their diapers and when you have to go to the doctor yet next. But they don't give you this manual of how to do all this other stuff. And you're sitting there and I mean, I'd love to talk, you know, that's not really what this podcast is about, but my team, the gals that are, you know, that are with me in this wellness journey, they created, and again, many years after I was past this postpartum phase, you know, they've created some um, webinars and things like that, that they do on this post postnatal depletion. Mm you know, and I think that's what you're saying is that even after 22 months, because you can still have this, you know, depression, but I believe it's from that depletion, right? Of nutrition and um, mentally and physically and like all of that stuff, we get depleted, we give it to our babies, and then we're not, then we're depleted in sleep. And, you know, I wonder if, just talk a little bit about that because I know with, so I had four children and I know with the, well, my husband would probably say <laughs> a little postpartum depression with all of them, but I feel like it was the strongest with my youngest because I remember just laying with him on a couch one time, just crying. And he had taken the older kids out for something or whatever, but I was left behind with Tommy. I just remember crying and like, you're holding this beautiful baby but you're, you're just so sad. And I just remember that. And, um, you just, you feel kind of hopeless in that situation too. Yeah. I don't feel like it's talked about enough and there's a big push now within the mental health community. It's okay not to be okay. And so it's, I feel like it's becoming more talked about, but in the postnatal setting, I think you said it beautifully. It's, it's not necessarily always 
depression because when you go back into your midwife or your ob after you've had your six-week appointment, they give you this little survey and these question marks and everything. I passed that with flying colors. I wasn't ever quote-unquote depressed, but you still feel that way. And that depletion wears on you, whether it's from lack of sleep and having a newborn and maybe not taking care of yourself nearly as well as you used to. The hormonal changes, which are ridiculous, and especially from a functional medicine, you know, holistic perspective, I would say the majority of women have some sort of hormonal disruption. It just, it's, a, it's sadly a fact. And you can go to your, you know, Western type of doctor and they can run all the tests and say, oh, you're fine. Everything's okay. Go back to your chaos of the life. And then you never really get any of that relief. Yeah. I mean, we both know from, you know, again, Western medicine to where we sit today, the pill doesn't, the pill doesn't solve everything. Right. Because it doesn't address that other, that under all those underlying things. If it's hormonal shifts or if it's lack of sleep, or if it's, you know, your husband doesn't, you know, whatever your husband works all the time, or you're in a difficult situation with your marriage or whatever it is, it doesn't address all of those underlying things. It's just like, Oh, here's a pill to take care of it. That's a band aid. Mm -hmm. And again, we're in this, Oh, you have this beautiful new baby and you're supposed to be happy. And there's, there's struggle there. And, um, right. You know, sadness and stuff like that. I, I think that, Overall, it's so great. See here, there's my, you can't see us today, but see, there's my sunshine coming in. When I first got on with Christy, <laughs> she had this beautiful sunlight coming in next to her and now it's coming in next to me. Anyway, I digress. It's a beautiful give and take. <laughs> That's right. I love the fact that there's more talk about mental health. I mean, this pandemic has put so many of us into this state of of chaos and mental chaos and like just our life was turned upside down, right? And um, so there's much more talk about mental health, but I don't know what you have to say about this. Like it's, it's okay to not be okay. And yet it's almost like becoming okay. It's becoming okay to not be okay. Right. I mean, it is okay to not be okay, but it's almost like, oh, but it's becoming like, oh, you're not okay. Great. You know, it's almost like there's being, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't know. I don't, it's, it's almost like it's being praised or a hundred percent totally on the same page with that. So I, I wrote down a couple notes. So I wouldn't forget where I was going with this one. First off, I agree with you that if someone is getting an antidepressant, I then please don't get me wrong. Antidepressants can save lives in the right situations, mm-hmm. like yes. flat out across the board in the right situations. It can be incredibly important. And a good portion of the time, they're not necessary. And frequently, what they do is they just, what I find, they emotionally castrate people. So you don't necessarily mm. feel the lows, but you're also not experiencing the highs that life has to offer. And the fact of the matter is, life is a roller coaster, and we're supposed to feel, we're supposed to feel. We're supposed mm-hmm. to be able to have those highs and lows and experience those things and develop coping skills and resiliency to be able to handle it. And if we're never given that opportunity because we've been chemically altered, that's not really living a life. It's it's actually just kind of going through things in a fake sort of way. So I agree. It's it's definitely a band-aid approach. And at the same time, certain situations call for certain things. So always, of course, you know, with anybody listening to this, it's not a, a uh, my disclaimer is this is not a substitute for personalized medical care. You always have to go one, one person situation at a time. Mm-hmm. But with, with regard to the it's okay not to be okay. I don't want to normalize mental health issues because they're so common. We're starting to look at them as normal and accepted. And my other phrase is just because something's common doesn't mean that it's normal. 
and healthy. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's, it's okay not to be okay. I want you to be real with where you're at and be honest so that we can get you the help that you need and support you in whatever way you need. But at the same time, I don't want you to get so accepting of the fact that, oh, well, everybody's just depressed or everybody has anxiety because that's not normal. I even go back to the idea that you know women in PMS, we actually shouldn't have PMS symptoms. We should not have cramps. We should not get bloated and get moody and have breast tenderness and all these sorts of issues when we're about to get our periods. It should just be this, oh, look at that. I have a period and let's move on with life. I really feel like if our bodies are balanced, our diets are on track, we don't have toxicity mentally, emotionally, or physically, nutritionally, if everything is where quote unquote should be, we don't experience those things. And if you do, it just, your body's giving you symptoms, depression, anxiety, PMS, whatever it is under the sun, these are symptoms that your body's telling you something's out of balance. Please listen to me. And if we give that antidepressant and we give this other medication, we're just telling our body to shut up. It's putting the proverbial piece of tape over the check engine light in your car. Mm-hmm. You need to get it looked at and figure out where these things are coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, that's so good. I, I talk about that often. Like, are you just putting the, the tape over the check engine light of your life and of your health? Because we do get those um, aches and pains and symptoms and signs and things like that, that something's wrong. And um, again, you couldn't have said it better that we emotionally castrate ourselves when we take medications or again, we, or we live or we're grow we grow up in environments where we're told to be quiet and we're told to be quiet or, you know, we only talk about the the good stuff. And I felt like that's the way I was raised is that we just, we didn't, we didn't talk about, we didn't talk about the bad stuff. That's the way I kind of say it. It's like, and we just, we all had a happy life and everything was great. And it was, I mean, I'm not saying that I didn't have a great upbringing, but what I didn't feel like I had was that space of non-judgment that I could go to my mother or my father and say, Hey, you know what? I'm struggling here. Can we talk about this? Cause I don't really know what to do with these feelings. I don't know what to do with this guy that's approaching me. You know, I don't know what to do with that. Can you help me through that? I knew that if I went to her, my mother, that, um, that, that judgment would come way before that support. And she did the best she could. That's all she really knew, but that's what I felt. And so I felt like I was like, just told to be like, you just don't, just don't talk about it. Just don't talk about it. And what does that lead to? That leads to what we talk about in this podcast. It leads to finding coping mechanisms that aren't always the best. If it's the eating disorder, the addiction, the drinking, the drugs, the cutting, the, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a show on Netflix these days that um, I'm watching because people have said it's good and it is a great show. Um, But, and again, there's this dichotomy of like, do we show the stuff the kids are doing these days, you know, to give, to put it into the spotlight to say, and then say at the end, Hey, if you, if you know anybody that's self-harming or if you're self-harming, here's a phone call to call, or do we not talk about it? Like, it's like, what do you do? This girl's having issues and problems with her mother and all this. And so she starts to self-harm. So it leads to these emotional castration. If it's like, here's the medication, here's the, just be quiet, Johnny here. Mm-hmm. You know, it leads to not talking about it. And then, but we have to talk about it, right? And when we live in those villages with all those women and we sit around the fire and 
cooking the bread or whatever it is. Yep. There's a it's a place that we they had to talk about it. Or I don't know if it was with you when we did our little prep for this. We didn't have the cell phones. We had a phone that was attached to the wall. And and um, so my mom knew when I called, when I talked to Mary or Susan called, and, and then she's like, get off the phone. We have to eat dinner. Yep. And then she's like, oh, how's Mary? How's Susan? Like, what's going on? And so we sat around the dinner table and talked about stuff in life. Those things aren't happening so much. I also feel like, at least from my perspective, raising kids right now, I'm guessing it was a little different from when yours were fully growing up, um, although I'm sure it changed at some point. With since the prevalency of cell phones, we do a lot more texting than we do actual communication on the phone. Or when somebody comes to the house, the kids watch us interact. They hear the other end of the conversation. They're not hearing that now. Mm-hmm. True. So they're not necessarily getting as deep of an education in communication mm-hmm. just from life as they necessarily did. And I feel like that's, you know, my old, my kids are 12, nine and six now. And it's it's becoming more prevalent with the twelve year old. It's like we need to we need to teach you how to communicate with people, and mm. it's it's not always an easy kind of thing. But when in the older days, so to speak, when people would just commune around the fireplace and those those conversations would just organically happen, it served everyone. Well, yeah, and I always talk about like that. We don't know what they're talking about. We don't know who they're talking to. But right. yes, true. They don't hear. I never really thought about it, too. They don't hear us talking. Now, you know, my kids have heard me talking on the phone to my clients and things like that. So they know enough about a Shackley probiotic and what it does <laughs> and, you know, why you'd want to use basic gauge to save money on your cleaners. They know enough about that because they've heard me talk about that. But it's very it's right. it's very true. They don't. Yeah, uh, it's both sides of things. We don't hear them. We don't know who they're communicating with. Same thing with mm-hmm. with us. Brought to you by Gorski Wellness and the possibility of a better you. Are you feeling sluggish? Ready for a change? Need more energy? Up for a bigger challenge? I'm Moira Gorski, retired nurse and wellness advocate. For over 22 years, I've been helping people live healthier lives while making small changes each and every day. Those small changes lead my clients to living a healthier lifestyle with markedly better health. As a brand ambassador for the Shackley Corporation, the most clinically proven wellness company in the world, I guide my clients to make healthier choices each day with their food, supplements, skincare, workouts, and mindset. They say getting started is half the battle. Let's make healthy happen together. If you're ready for simple, natural, sustainable solutions to feeling and looking your best, let's connect. You'll find a link in the show notes or reach out to me at moiragorski.com. Here's to a better you. So I think it's a great time to say, okay, so what do we do? How do we coordinate the chaos? We don't want to, again, we want to realize that it's there. You know, when you have somebody in your life that's struggling with mental health challenges, there's some chaos. That's what I, like I said, that's what I, the, the start from, of this podcast was when you've got kids, when you're a mom and you're working or not or whatever, there's, there's chaos. So how do we, when you say in that book, how do we coordinate that? Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a bit of juggling, but what are some tips that you have that you share in that book that you can share with our audience today about that coordination? Of course. The first thing I think of with any of it is we need to have the awareness first and foremost. And so that moment where I shared with myself at 22-ish months postpartum, 
where I had that light bulb go off, huh, this is the state that I'm at right now. First piece is awareness and second piece is acceptance to know where you're at and then have the choice of what to do with it. We can, we can stay in those disempowered states. We can stay in sometimes a victim mentality of, oh God, there's so much going on. How do I support her or this or that? And we hope that we can choose the empowered choice of, okay, let's just do what we can with the tools that we and resources that we have. And so in my book, I share the, my, my favorite chapter that I write is it's chapter four. It's all about you, the mom, like take care of yourself. It's once again, I, there's a lot of cliches. It's the, put the action mask on yourself before you put it on your kids. It's the fill your own cup first. We can't do anything for anyone else if our own cup isn't full. And so I often say just, we have to, we as mothers have to put ourselves as a priority because no one else is going to do it for us, quite frankly, first of all. And there's this thought in society, I believe, where we're supposed to put our kids first. We're supposed to be these selfless martyrs of people that as soon as we have children, our needs no longer matter. We don't, we're, we're no longer our own humans. We have to sacrifice everything to raise these children. And I don't think that that's true. I think if we reorder those priorities and put ourselves as first, our partnership and relationship second, and then the kids come last, they're actually going to get so much more of what they need when we put those needs in that order, so to speak. And I'm not saying to neglect your kids. You know, Of course, the, the needs of everybody ebb and flow when something happens. But just as a general rule, that's my favorite chapter where I would describe all that. And I tend to give these seven best doctors to, to follow, so to speak. So those will be my quick tips here right now. And these are all tangibles once again. And each person is a unique individual. But I do believe that if if we would all get all seven of these on a regular basis, we could coordinate and juggle that chaos way more easily. Number one is, you already mentioned it, sunlight. Mm. Sunlight coming in, getting sunlight is so important for our energy, for vitamin D production. In the Chicago area, we're not getting much of it these days. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I, I feel that seasonal depression. I really do. Mm-hmm. And whenever there's sun, I just, I get giddy about it. And so number one is sunlight. Find a way to get some sun whenever possible. Number two is fresh air. So I don't care how cold it is. I'm going for walks almost every day because just being outside is so important and so invigorating to the system. Number three is good quality, healthy diet. The old phrase is garbage in, garbage out. So if you Mm -hmm. put good fuel in, you're going to get good things out as far as your mental health is concerned, your physical health and whatnot. There's different opinions on what qualifies as a quality diet. I have my own that I share in the book. For me, at the end of the day, it's really just about eating real food and eating less processed junk stuff. Mm -hmm. Number four would be water intake. I often recommend about half our body weight in ounces of water per day. And if you drink anything with caffeine or alcohol, that will deplete you of your water sources. So I tend to ask, add those ounces back in at the end of that. So half your body weight announces and make that calculation for yourself. Number five is sleep. If women are listening right now that have a newborn, you might look at that and go, yeah, that's funny. (laughs) We we don't have uh, the option to sleep right now, but do what you can. Quality sleep sometimes is more important than even the quantity of numbers, but depending on what stage of life you're in, sleep is important and find what works for you. Number six, best doctor is exercise. Once again, different requirements for different people as far as amount, frequency, intensity level. Listen to your own body on this one. Some people, literally, the best exercise for them is just walking every day and nothing else. Other people can handle that HIIT training 
and thrive through it. I know people though that cannot handle the HIIT training and actually be detrimental to their health. And so you really need to listen to your body and maybe talk to some holistic providers to see what's going to be best for you for this particular time of your life. And that might change in another three, four years or something. And then lastly, last member of the best doctor is joy. Find things that bring you joy and fulfillment, especially in those early days of motherhood. Like I said, we, we give everything up for our kids, especially when you've got a newborn attached to your breast <laughs> for half of the day, you don't have as many opportunities for this. But when, you know, as days move forward, making time for yourself to do things that are going to bring you joy, bring joy to the family. That's, that's to me, number one. Yeah, I know it's number seven, but it's number one. And exactly. <laughs> it is hard. And I think you pointed something out too, is like brings joy to you, maybe brings joy to the family. I mean, maybe that's how you start it is think about like, hey, what would make us all happy kind of thing? Let's go to the, mm-hmm. I love animals. So let's go to the zoo, you know, so that brings the family joy, but it also, you're doing something that brings, you know, brings you joy uh, too. But yeah, those, those doctors are um, really good. I mean, really good ones. We talked about it this morning, right? We were both out for a walk before we gathered this morning. We got that fresh air. I've started to drink my lemon water in the morning and um, really focus on getting more water and, and sleep. I found, I again, I think sleep is one of those, can be one, one of these elusive things. I mean, before the pandemic, and I don't know, I don't necessarily blame it on that, but before that, I used to just be able to sleep and like like a baby all the time. And things have changed. And so I can say it's the pandemic and it was the screen time and the stress and stuff like that. And I think there's some of that. But I think, again, you said also like the season of the life that life you're in. Sometimes it's hormones. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's stress. Sometimes it's other stuff going on in your house. So yeah, I've been able to find some things that have helped me with that. And uh, But I really, and again, the exercise joy, again, I love it all. I love it all because again, you know, speaking about what I do a lot here with the eating disorders and stuff like that, exercise is kind of this taboo thing. Like you can't do it. And I've understood that myself. I'm like, oh, why am I doing this exercise? Why am I running to the club? Why am I doing all this? You just got to find something that resonates with you. And I've heard that before, like, oh, everybody, I mean, we live in the society, like, oh, everything's got to be keto. Everything's got to be HIIT training. Everything's got to be CrossFit. Like, no, no everybody (laughs) and and some of it's that body because i've heard that again depending on what kind of stress level you're on in your cortisol level like Mm -hmm. certain working out isn't good because it increases that or whatever you know again this isn't the time to discuss all that but it's again it's good awareness and that's what i really circled here because i took a a course uh mindfulness-based stress reduction um a while back and that's a big part that really stood out to me was that awareness yep like if we notice things And that's what I want people to hear, like in the quiet of your walks or when you wake in the morning or when something's happening in the chaos, see if you can just notice, like notice what's happening and take some Mm -hmm. time to just breathe and notice because when we can become aware, then we can make the choices. But if we switch, you know, if we just, um, you know, go so quickly through that, like time of noticing then we're just making, like, we can make erratic choices, right? Mm -hmm. I love that. And one of the first things I think of with that is having that piece of awareness and not just rushing through it, but then really asking yourself, what is this indicating for me? So one of the things I do in my practice is I enlighten people. Once again, our bodies are trying to communicate something with us. If we're tired, if we're crabby, if we have that PMS symptom, if we have high blood pressure, this is a symptom 
what does it indicate? Even if I have hip pain, what does it indicate? There's a woman by the name of Louise Hay mm-hmm. that I think we talked about her before. She she was such a beautiful soul and came up with a lot of like metaphysical and emotional-based reasons for why we manifest physical issues in our bodies. And I often tell people it's an opportunity when we have this awareness of something coming in for our, into our physical space, it's an opportunity to look within and go, all right, what's really going on here? What's really behind this symptom? And like I said, hip pain classically is hips represent our ability to move forward in life. Mm. And so if you've got hip pain, are you feeling stuck? Are you not moving forward? Reflect on that a little bit and see what might be there for you. Mm. Or, you know, constipation, for instance, is not letting go of something. You know, what, what, are, what aren't you letting flow? Something with your eyes or your ears, you know, things you don't want to see in your life, things you don't want to hear. And if we really look within on whatever something could be presenting, we can tend to answer those questions for ourselves if we have the awareness and if we listen. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to do in my practice too, is just really an, offer my patients that awareness to be their own doctor in a certain sense. And, and then if, if and when they need support, of course, they come in and we'll go through. I do a lot of emotional-based clearing techniques in my office, which are incredibly um, powerful. People say it can be like five minutes worth or five minutes of therapy that would have been taken five years in therapy. Mm-hmm. But either way, I love giving people the tools to just have that awareness and have that moment to sit with yourself and really see what your body's telling you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That Louise Hay, then, you know, listening to your body, it's, it's pretty incredible. And um, some would say that that's, that's weird stuff, but there's so <laughs> much, I mean, but there's so much truth to that. You know, when you just, I mean, just think about what you just said, like, yeah, if your hips, like you can't move forward or, I mean, I know with, the yoga that I do and hearing those kind of things, like there's so there's things that are stuck in your, your body, or, you know, there's a lot of emotion stuck in your hips type of thing. And um, even with my ballroom dance, there's just so much that I'm like, okay, what is that? Like, what am I holding on to? And why am I not willing to do this? Like, (laughs) that's why I stay with the dance, because I know that it's not just about getting better at figuring out how to do the waltz, you know, it's really like what it's, who it's helping me become. I love that. To release those things and stuff like that. So so where can people find you? Because I know that, um, again, we'd love to know where to find your book, where to find you, um, if somebody wants to contact you and follow your work and things like that. So absolutely. I, I can be found anywhere. So I'm on all the major social media platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. My practice on Facebook is Christy Matusiak DC. And then holistic Christy, holistic Christy DC, I believe is my Instagram. And then same thing, Christy Matusiak DC, as far as LinkedIn is concerned, even on TikTok as well. Um, I do also have a YouTube channel. Admittedly, I have not put a lot of new videos on there yet, but right now there's a good hundred videos of content on there. People could cycle through. That is called Dr. Christy Cares, and it's the truth because I care about you know holistic health and our well-being, and I put as much content on there as I possibly could. And then as far as the book is concerned, it is on Amazon. So you can just go into Amazon and type in Coordinating the Chaos. This one is through Birth and Burnout. I am working on um, getting another book out this year, which would be the second series of Coordinating the Chaos. So that's the hope mm. that I get that accomplished this year. Um, and then my website is Christy Matusiak, DC. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll give you all that information. I'm yeah. sure you'll have it in the notes. But that's where people can find me. And I, I welcome you know people just having questions you know one-on-one, even if you're not sure if holistic care is the right route for you. If you have a question about something, I'm always happy to provide Mm -hmm. as many answers as I can. 
Yeah. Well, and I love that you have you have lots of tools that you offer people when they come. Um, I can see that through your website and through our conversations too. There's lots of things that you can offer. And as we said before, like life isn't shouldn't be like a one size fits all. Right. Um, when you go to your healthcare provider, um, there should be lots of different options. You know, based on the questions that the, you ask, and again, what's going on with you. So I appreciate all of that. And um, any, you know, just last words for for the audience here today of just that you feel that maybe we haven't covered or that you'd just like to share as kind of a closing? Yeah. I mean, the last thing that comes to mind is, you know, I'm, I'm what's energetically presenting for me right now is I'm guessing that there might be some people listening right now that are finding themselves in a rough spot, whether it's whatever they're going through with their family, with themselves, motherhood, the chaos of whatever their chaos looks like. And my only word of wisdom is it, it's not permanent. Nothing is permanent. There's another quote I believe I heard once, everything will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. Mm. So keep putting one foot in front of the other. And you have plenty of resources and tools and support systems available to you. Just pick one and start moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to be the one for you. I'm sure you are as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's so good. You know, keeping yourself open. I spoke on a podcast this week and that's what I said. You know, we need to be, I think it's good to be open to what comes our way being open to different suggestions and different things outside of the norm of how you might think that things are supposed to be or look like what you're supposed to do. Just being open to that can really unlock lots of really great opportunities in your life and uh, things like that. So I love that we've been connected and um, I really love what you do and what you shared today and really just good stuff here listening today. So I appreciate you sharing um, and all that. And again, always appreciate um, the comments that I get from my listeners. You know, I tell people that I thought when I started this, it would be so niche to this little area. And, um, and it's not because I think a lot of what we, you know, what we talk about, it's just, it's really can, it can be for the young moms, but it can really be for anybody. So um, I'm exactly. grateful for that. I'm grateful that I can provide some hope out there and a way for people to find joy because life is worth living. Mm. And um, it does take some juggling and coordinating, um, but we can have that joyful life um, when we make those choices. So thanks, Christy. Thanks uh, again, all those that listen, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. Share it with others and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook, so head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery Podcast Tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story, a story to share, a story of recovery and hope? Please let me know as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me. You'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.